With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This program has been made possible by Weatherby Asset Management. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City. Well, welcome to the Wealth Psychology Hour with Jamie Traeger-Muni and Emily Bouchard. We are delighted for the show today. Uh, We are so thrilled that Gail Sylvia Pullen, who founded Sylvia Global, is going to be joining us for the second half of our show um, and we're going to have a conversation with her around her experience at the USC's Leadership Forum on Philanthropy. And it sounds like it was amazing. And she spoke on women and philanthropy. The forum was called Philanthropy, Imagination, Innovation, and Impact. And we're going to find out from her what sparked her imagination, what innovative things she found out about, and the impact the conference had on her in terms of her approach to philanthropic giving. As new listeners, you may or may not be aware that Sylvia, Gail Sylvia not only founded Sylvia Global, but she's also been a longtime member of Women Moving Millions and is a successful entrepreneur. And she has a lot of experience in this whole realm of women and philanthropy. And we are going to be focusing on the emotional aspects of it, the emotional sides of giving, and also whatever we can do to empower all of our listeners in terms of how you can show up in terms of your giving at whatever level you give in your life and uh, to just make it so that you can feel most sustained and thriving in your role in that and not so much hampered by other emotions that can get in the way. Jamie, what do you want to say about it before we launch in? Well, I'm just so thrilled to be doing a conversation about philanthropy. It's such an important role when you look at the research, the happiness research, and the connection between wealth and happiness. So um, I'd love to spend a little bit bit of time grounding the conversation with looking at some of the research. Emily, what do you think? I think it's a great way to start. And one thing I want to add before we dive into that is, a lot of people hear the word philanthropist and they immediately think Rockefeller, Vanderbilt. They think like extraordinary, over-the-top wealth. Bill Gates. and The giving pledge. What? The people in the giving pledge. Yeah. And those are extraordinary philanthropists. And I just want to clarify for all of our listeners that the word philanthropy means a love of humanity. And, you know, we extend it out, and I think people really extended it out to, you know, if you love humanity, you may express that by how you love the planet that humanity lives on or the animals that humanity loves. You know, it's all connected in. And you can be a philanthropist in any way, shape, or form, and it doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. A lot of people are philanthropic in the amount of time they give. And I hope uh, when we start talking about the research, we also we need to talk a little bit about how, um, research has shown that people that are in lower income brackets actually are even more philanthropic than some people that are in higher income brackets in terms of how much they give to their church every week, in terms of how much they give of their time to um, causes in their community. So it doesn't have to do with how much money is in your bank account. Anybody who has a natural inclination and wants to follow it, and we all have this inclination to give, to give back, and then it's actually something that's really good for us can value and get a lot of value out of this conversation. So, yeah, Jamie, you want to go into some of the other research? Great. And and that's such a perfect segue. I think that it's really important for everybody who's listening to the show to know that that's the context in which 
we're speaking of philanthropy and philanthropists. And also, um, Gail Sylvia, you can look in the archive, did a wonderful interview a couple weeks ago with James Ferris, who's the head of the Center um, on Philanthropy at US, USC. And she asked him this question of how does he define a philanthropist? And he said that he thinks that everybody is a philanthropist, um, that what you're really looking at is people who give back in terms of money and time and I would add talent because um, we all have unique gifts to share. And, um, you know, if you're, for example, a bookkeeper, that's a great way, you know, you might want to do some uh, pro bono um, work in your field that helps nonprofits. So there's, there's so many different ways. And it really comes back to what ultimately makes us happy and what makes us feel fulfilled in life. And so much of that is around making change. So the leading things that, that make us happy, the research shows, is contributing to something bigger than yourself, making the world a better place, and being a member of our global community, especially today with Facebook and with you know all the blogs and Internet. The world's very flat, so something can be happening millions of miles away. You know, we're a perfect example of that right now. I'm broadcasting from Israel. Emily's broadcasting from Marin, California. So, um, and we have people all over the world listening. So it's really global conversation. Uh, now, Jamie, I want to jump in right there because I have great. You always slow me this. down. I love it. You've got so much here. I just want to uh, ground this in a, in a real-life example that just happened this week. Um, I uh, went to a um, lecture in Austin a couple weeks ago, and I met a phenomenal woman who is a nurse, and she wrote a book on um, really how mothers can take care of their infants while they're in the womb so that those infants have a chance to be the healthiest children they can possibly be. And while I met her, I found out that she uh, was um, invited to be a volunteer special delegate to the United Nations. And it's a really big deal because it means that she gets to have a global impact with her work and her research and really reach women all over the world. And it's completely volunteered and unpaid, and she has to pay her own way to get there. And she figured out her expenses and everything she needs, and she, um, we had a follow-up call from the, the, this lecture that I went to, and I was on the call when I heard her um, very humbly and very, um, you know, almost abashedly, like, asking for support. She said, you know, I really am learning a lot about reaching out and that it's not so much it's better to give than to receive, but that there's a really incredible relationship between giving and receiving, and I'm ready to receive, and I ask that people consider donating. And I was on the call, and I said, well, have you considered, you know, crowdfunding um, instead of, like, you know, people just going out to PayPal directly and giving you where they can be part of a bigger community that's giving to you and maybe see that growing and see how they're involved in something. And she immediately took action. And within an hour, I got an email from her where she'd gotten on a crowdfunding page, and I immediately sent her $25. It was zero just to get it started, just to, like, what can I do to jumpstart it? And it was such a thrilling thing to be part of that and to know that I might be in this little tiny drop in a bucket supporting this nurse and getting out there to support all those babies all over the world. So that just happened, like, yesterday. And I love that because we can use that example going through as we look at all the different points. So you already spoke to that you got to do something with your $25. You leveraged it to to, um, not necessarily directly help yourself, but to help to be part of something bigger, to make the world a better place right from the womb for children um, and to be part of a global community. You also, another big point is making a difference and contributing unique skills. So again, this is time, treasure, talent. So you did all that, all of that. You used your time to help her by helping her find some resources and also your treasure um, you sent her the, the seed money and also your talent that you had a unique idea for her of how to get started. So you shared all in all three ways. Um, finding something that we're passionate about and making a difference. You know, I'm sure when she shared about this idea of hers, she shared it in a very passionate way. If she got up there and, you know, sort of read from a script and wasn't, you couldn't see the light in her eyes. 
um, you know, wouldn't be as drawing to you. And each of us has things that we're passionate about. And the best way to um, go about being happy, living a fulfilled life, and also making the world a better place is by really tapping into our unique passions. Um, and then using those either as an as a way to raise money or as a way, you know, the place that you want to do giving. Um, and the last thing is being part of a community, community, working towards shared goals. In today's world, although we are parts of communities, again, like Facebook and social networking, we tend to not be as intimately connected with people and to have as much infrastructure in our community. So these organizations, when you're when you're being part of them, both in terms of giving, but also in terms of giving time, giving money, but also give, giving time gives people an opportunity really to be, to form communities. Um, so those are all things about what we think bring us happiness. And you see here, it's not how big is your house or that you get to go on X amount of vacations. Um, you know, those certainly can be parts, but really what the research shows is it's about being using wealth in a significant way. Um, so another study looked at, which was wonderful, looked at, they gave participants, I think, $100, and they told one group they had to spend $100 on somebody else. It could be anything. And they told another group that they were to spend $100 on themselves. And afterwards, they, you know, asked them questionnaires, but more importantly, they looked at the hormonal change and the biochemical change. They look at the level of serotonin in people's um, body and in their brains. And the people who gave the money away had much higher serotonin levels than the people who spent the money on themselves. So, you know, what I think is extraordinary and what I'd love to talk about more as we talk about philanthropy is it's a win-win situation, which is something that Emily and I always like. Um, you're doing the world good, but you're also giving tremendously to yourself and as an educational tool, modeling to your children. Now, I want to just slow down because we may not have a lot of people that understand what you mean by serotonin levels because some people think, well, you know, they might be thinking, is that a, is that a stress, you know, like we have different hormones that do different things for us. And um, I think it's really, we're so aware of this. I want to make sure people understand that serotonin is one of those hormones in our body that we have when things are really good, when we're happy, when there's an uptick, when things are flowing in a really good way. It's it's a measure of how healthy and happy we are. And it's a physiological way we can measure it. Serotonin and oxytocin, I think, are the two uh, hormones you'll hear the most about in the happiness research. Is that right, Jamie? Um, I, I know serotonin. I haven't seen as much oxytocin, but could be. And serotonin is also, you know, when you're looking at an antidepressant, that's the 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 chemical that um, antidepressants are trying to raise serotonin levels. So that is one of the most direct measurements we have of how much experienced happiness somebody has in their life. Uh, I, thanks for letting me slow it down because there's so much great data you're giving and I want to make sure that when people hear it, it gets to really land in a place of, oh, that makes sense. And yeah, I can see that. And I guess basically what you're saying and what the research is showing is the uh, the more we give from a place that we're passionate about that um, that really has us engaged with community, that is the sort of um, uh, example of how we get so much back. Like our well-being is that much more improved. Um, and so want to make sure our listeners know that they can join in this conversation with us uh, and definitely with Gail Sylvia when she joins us as well. And you can call into our show at 347-215-6138. You can also email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And you can listen. If you're um, not there already, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash sylviaglobal and send that to um, other people that you think might be interested in philanthropy and this conversation. So again, the number is 347-215-6138. Jamie, what do you want to say next about all this great research? I just love I, this data. I, 
I think we have we don't have too much longer before we hope Gail Silvio is going to join us. So why don't we start to um, set up about the give people a little bit of background about the Center of Philanthropy at UCF. U C S. Yeah. Got to get my initials right. ESC, either in Southern California, yep. And um, and tell them a little bit about the Center on Philanthropy and also um, tell them a little bit about the conference because um, they were both very unique, and then we can just dive right in when Gail Sylvia gets on. Great. So the Hello. Center of Philanthropy has been um, around for 13 years. And again, I would, um, I would, for people who are interested in hearing more about it, I would send them, and we'll post it on our um, on our blog and our website and on Gail Sylvia um, the link to Gail Sylvia's interview two weeks ago with Jan James Ferris, who was the head of the center, and he said that the goal, what's unique about the Center on Philanthropy, because there's many centers that are looking at philanthropy um, in an academic setting. One of the things that makes them different is that they are looking at the at philanthropy as a lens to view nonprofit organizations, whereas um, in his opinion, most of these organizations are looking at the nonprofit organization and then seeing how philanthropy can fit in. So this really turns it around. And they're specifically looking at strategies to advance giving and to solve the obstacles that come in the way of impactful giving which I just thought was, was great because they really, one of their um, pieces of their mission statement is not to be ivory tower research, but really to be hands-on um, and useful. And they felt that the field of philanthropy in and of itself was understudy. So they're really looking to understand how people, their sense is that social change will happen from the resource and the capital given by philanthropy. So they want to really think strategically about how to maximize it. And again, they have this very broad view of, of defining a philanthropist. Um, and some of the things that I thought were really interesting and unique about them was that they have a book club for philanthropists, which I, I can't wait to join. You know, Emily, that I'm all over that. Um, so some of the topics they've talked about are how to say no, which we're going to talk about today, too, um, and how to um, create meaningful and impactful giving. So, you know, and, and that goes, those two things go hand in hand, because if you're saying yes to every single person that asks you just because it's too difficult possibly to say no or you don't want to insult someone or hurt their feelings, um, you know, how able are you to then um, really develop your own impactful um, mission and vision and strategy? And I think that that's what I'd love to launch into until Gail Sylvia is able to join us because this show is really about the emotional impact of wealth in people's lives. And we are all about that notion of clearing the obstacles and solving the obstacles that get in the way internally of giving or keep us from being more uh, positively impactful in the world in terms of how we give. And there's there's our strong emotional components related to giving. As much as giving makes us feel good, there can also be a lot of other emotions associated with it. And I wonder, can we can we go into that, or is there more you want to say first about USC? You I know, think I that would be perfect. <laughs> I think that the most important thing we can do is really support our listeners in this whole concept of saying no because it, it it's so relevant in any aspect of life having the skill to say no when it doesn't feel right is so vitally important and whenever a request is made of us anytime it's it's important to be aware that a decline of a request is a completely legitimate response now in some families uh and, you know, maybe you've had this in yours. When you're asked to do something, it's more like you're being told to do something where you don't really have the ability to say no. And as children, that's often the case. And then when we get older and our parents um, ask us to do something, we can often find ourselves pulled into that direction of, oh, I have to do it, especially when there's a lot of there's money involved. 
And then when you have something like a family foundation that's been set up and you've been asked to be a part of it, you may actually not feel like you have a choice or you could decline and you're part of it, but it's not really something that you maybe want to do in the same way or maybe you have your own ideas. So one of the things that happens in family dynamics is how to tease out where is the room here for me to have my say and to be able to speak into what works for me and what doesn't in relationship to a request, especially when a child's being given a request from a parent. Um, so I'm just wanting to break it down from that place first, and then we'll go further. Jamie, do you want to jump in with that? Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. You're on a roll, okay. baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, and, you know, if you're listening and this is striking a chord for you, feel free to call in at 347-215-6138, or you can email us at listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And uh, what what I wanted to say about this is that how we go about saying our no's can be really important because what happens is in our bodies, because there may be historical experiences in our families where saying no was not acceptable, it wasn't welcome or it was challenged or maybe you had to deal with a parent that had more of a a martyr archetype forward where it's like, you know, I do everything for you. How could you say no to me? You know, there's all kinds of things that can be attached to stuff that when somebody comes and asks you for a gift or a donation, what will happen is physiologically your automatic response and reaction is going to go back to that place when you were asked to do something that you didn't necessarily feel was right for you or you didn't want to do and you felt like you had to. And that may be pretty contractive. You may feel that your breath gets a little bit shorter. You might be holding your breath. Um, you might feel tightness in your throat or in your stomach. And one of the things that we offer to people in our coaching is to get present and get aware of what's going on in your body the moment a request is made of you. And if you're feeling any kind of contraction or constriction or, you know, tightness, what you want to do in that moment is breathe into it. And the other piece that happens a lot when we're kids and things are asked of us and we're we're asked to do something is uh, we may want to say no because we're busy doing something else and there's a sense of urgency. Like you have to do it right then, like right now. And you feel like you have to make your response right away. And so oftentimes what will happen is we'll either say yes immediately because we don't feel like we have a choice or we'll be in the reaction place of saying no immediately because we don't want to get caught doing something that we don't necessarily want to do even before we've gotten all the data. And so the other piece that we would strongly recommend when you are asked, uh, you know, to give a donation or to consider being on a board or in other ways, other aspects of philanthropic giving, that you make sure to take some time. And a really gracious way of responding to a request is to very simply say, well, this is what I hear your request is. This is what I'm hearing. I, there's some things I need to learn more about, and I really I appreciate being asked, and I appreciate what it takes to ask. And so there's a way of acknowledging and having that sense of connection that's so vital and important in our lives, but also being able to stay true to your own self and having your own boundary in relationship to what somebody else may want. So you can really check in for yourself about what's right for you because as much as we can have buyer's remorse, we can also have giver's remorse. And like, wow, I didn't need to give that much, or oh, I was so excited in the moment, but there are other things I committed to. So you want to make sure you give yourself time. And a great way to um, not necessarily decline right away is to commit to commit, where you can, wow, you know, I, I, can't, I can't give you an answer right now, um, but I want to think about it, and th- I need some more information. And you know, let's, uh, can I get back to you in a week? Or I need some time to consider it. And then they may say, well, can I get back to you in a week? And then you can look and see where it works in your calendar. Not necessarily their needs, but look at your needs and what works for you. And, uh, Jamie, do you want to say anything about, like, how when when somebody makes a request, how you can ask, like, for more information first or, um, you know, getting more data Absolutely. And I want to say, too, I just think it's so ironic. You know, sometimes we think saying no is impinging on freedom. But the ability to say an honest no is really the ultimate in freedom. 
an honest no or an honest yes. Um, and that takes some checking in, as Emily's saying, with our own selves. Um, and so, and it, it's also about getting the data. And I think that, you know, no matter if your gift is, is uh, $5 or it's, um, you know, let me come and do an hour of service, you know, and no matter how big or small, we all have the right to get information. So, you know, people can ask about how much of the money goes directly to, um, to the cause, how much is for overhead, what the overhead is. You know, you, any question that you might have, we all have the freedom to get the data. And the more that we have the accurate information in front of us, you know, who exactly are these clients? What's their age group? Are they in a certain city? Are they nationwide? Are they worldwide? The more we get the information, the more that we're able to assess where we want to give. And really, um, one of the things that we often work with clients with is to have a vision about their legacy. So it, it takes on an even broader phase. This, what we're talking about, what we have been talking about for the most part right now is checkbook philanthropy, where you're sort of making a decision um, organization by organization. Um, oh, Jamie, Jamie, wait, this is so good. I want to just, I, I want to make sure I wrap something up that you said before, before we go into the legacy um, and going into the, the greater definition of giving. Is that okay? Can I jump in? Absolutely. Because it was so great how you spoke into getting the data. And one of the things that we've spoken about a number of times on this show that we want to keep bringing forward are the archetypal emotional patterns related to money. And so as you were listening to Jamie say those questions and getting data, she was exhibiting and embodying what we would call the warrior archetype in relationship to money and giving. And we have an amazing warrior who's just joined us. We're so excited. Hi. Oh. Good morning. Yay. Good morning. Good oh afternoon. My gosh. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was just thinking, Emily, as you talked about the warrior, I'm really uh, embracing my warrior in so many ways. So I've even got my warrior haircut now, or lack thereof hair. Um, and I just had my third treatment yesterday, and I'm feeling great. You sound wonderful. You know, it's. Uh, have you experienced any moments yet where you you don't feel great and you just have to go lay down? Oh, Yeah. Not so much lay down as uh, get the anti-nausea medicine now. Um, mm -hmm. So, or you know, it's it's definitely an emotional roller coaster too. So dealing with with those pieces, um, and also we want to say to you, Gail Sylvia, we talked about your uh, grandchildren last time <laughs> on the show, but we want to well, congratulate well, you um, on having not. One child with a new child, but two children with new children. So It's very exciting. Um, it's very, thank you so much. It's very exciting. And the reason I ask you about that, you know, those moments when you just have to just sit down or just, I think that's also part of the warrior spirit. And I hope that, you know, our granddaughters learn that we don't have to, carry the weight of the world on our shoulders every moment of every day by ourselves, but we're actually supported and encouraged to also know when to rest and when to just respond to the other needs that our our bodies and our spirit are calling us to. And I think you've just been such a model of inspiration, Jamie, for me and, you know, as as. I stand beside you and your journey and you and Emily stand beside me and in mine. And I just really um, applaud you. And actually, I thank both of you. And thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your warrior daughter's voice on air soon. Yes, she's super excited. In fact, she's meeting with her friends now about how they want to do it. And they've got one friend who sings, so she wants to sing an intro. So they're very excited to get on. And tell, I'll just tell a really quick story if it's okay. I love that she, um, Gail Sylvia had sent her, my daughter's 11, um, and she's going to do a show with some of her friends about their perspective and how girls can be making huge differences um, and what interests them. So Gail Sylvia sent her an email asking her 
for what her friends were interested in. And I kept thinking to myself, it was while I was doing my second chemo, I'm going to have to sit with my daughter and really help her craft this email. Because to me, it would have been totally intimidating. So then in the next 10 minutes, I get an email, a brilliant email, I thought, back, you know, sent back to you, Gail Sylvia, talking about that they like to volunteer, that, um, you know, they are very much into talking to girls their own age and listening to what other girls are going through, that they all love animals, and then that they love inspiring old movie, uh, old music like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Queen. And I just laughed hysterically because, you know, here, talk about your warrior, 11-year-old talking to the head of a, you know, a radio station and she just laid it on the line. So she, it was know. it was absolutely wonderful because um, she used her own initiative to do it. She spoke in her own, uh, with her own voice and her own words to what was important and is important to her and her daughters. I mean, her friends. And I think that's an important lesson for all of our daughters and young girls in our lives and older older girls in our lives to also um, remember is that that youth um, never underestimate the the power of their voice and the scope of their understanding. They're so much more observant and aware than we um, often as adults give them credit for. And it was actually because of girls her age group and younger that the Girls Fly event was launched. And me learning to just listen to them and to ask them more questions. And I was, too, also like, what <laughs> was my reaction when I saw the groups that the music, the musical groups that influenced right. them? Right, those old groups. Like, <laughs> like, whoa, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know? And just such a unique um a unique and refreshing perspective on who girls are and what's important to them around the world. And that's real consistent with why um, Well Psychology and Sylvia Global are partnering with the UN's um, UNESCO program for February 13th called World Radio Day and wanting to have the voice of youth as a part of World Radio Day and what a powerful medium it is for um, youth to get their words out, their thoughts out there. And we're so honored to not only have Hannah and her friends join us in that, but to have Sylvia Global as a whole um, participating in something of such significance around the world affiliated with UNESCO. Which I think is great, and it gave me a topic idea for us, possibly for that show, too, is to really think about what I noticed in my daughter's response. I said to her, you know, when did you write that? You didn't even ask for help. She said, oh, I wrote it on the bus on the way to school, is that there's a there's a freedom that girls experience that gets lost, you know, a la Carol Gilligan, who writes about women's voices and how they tend to get lost as we get older that Emily will be really interesting for us to explore, particularly as it relates to women and wealth, and, you know, using this younger generation as a bridge to understanding how can we help women's voices not to get lost and not to lose those spirits. That email would have taken me a very long time, and I would have wanted somebody else to check it. Um, so, how you know, how can we learn from our children, and how can we make sure you know, to minimize uh, what happens as, as particularly girls grow older in terms of being, um, you know, self-conscious. Jamie, you just made me think about when I was with my granddaughter when she was about two and a half or three, and we were singing the song, If You're Happy and You Know It, Clap Your Hands. And we were just, we were doing it, and we got to the part about, you know, stamp your feet, and then she went... If you're happy and you know it, come your hands, stamp your feet, shout out loud. And she went all over the room and all over the house. And I thought, yeah, she's happy and she knows it. <laughs> I don't ever want her to lose that joie de vivre, you know. And why do we? And how, how? I just watched that. I thought, how come everybody isn't that in that place all the time? What is it that we have bought into that's kept us from being able to have that incredible, passionate voice in our lives? 
And, you know, Gail, Sylvia, we are so thrilled to have you with us today to talk about your Someone who's never lost it. <laughs> never. <laughs> and you're about making sure these voices get out there in a big way. And we want to find out what sparked your imagination and got you really excited at this conference and what you want to make sure our listeners get to hear and share. And then we're going to bring in the emotional component as we go in the conversation. So thrilled well, that you're here to talk about it. Well, the Center for Philanthropy and Public Policy at USC, the University of Southern California, uh, was absolutely phenomenal. Um, 200, approximately 200 invited guests, and Dr. Jim Ferris has been on Sylvia Global. You can learn and hear his um, his message at sylviaglobal.com under philanthropy. Uh, you know, they did this in order to give donors an opportunity to connect with one another and to take a look at subjects that, you know, in a safe space and to be able to share and discuss it. So one of the attendees, I think two of the attendees that made quite an impression on me, and I'm looking forward to developing a, a very long friendship with them, are, were Kat and Tom Taylor. And you know they are signers on the Giving Pledge, along with Warren Buffett and others, and um, you know who plan to give away. You know within ten years after their passing, all of their assets will have been given liquidated, and so they're using their uh, philanthropy to affect policy, to affect um, changes in banking, and to do things that are at a level of systemic change that, you know, we don't often have public discussions about. We know that they take place in private, but we don't also often get to hear the positive work. You know, I I'm, I do a lot in the commercial real estate business and also have been involved with government relations. And so there's always this feeling of, you know, there's the public side of, transactions and then there's the back room smoker you know the smoky dark room side <laughs> and you know that somebody's putting in big monies to push a particular agenda for a political reason it was very very refreshing to to have such candid conversation um publicly about how a husband and wife team are united around certain missions of their philanthropy and affecting political change and policy changes that affect entire industries and to do it on behalf of the entire country so that everyone can benefit, um, but in particular those who would not have the resources or the access and to go in there and to do it on their behalf and to commit such abundant amounts of time and energy, talent, and money to particular causes. So for me, that was a really thrilling highlight, was meeting Tom and Kat, you know, the banking piece, and then also Tom's reference to one of his um, priorities in in his area of philanthropy has been um, in climate change. And it was because of a Soviet Global guest uh, from Syria and India and the Congo uh, that I developed a different appreciation and thought, you know, toward climate change. I had no idea until I was made aware in a conversation uh, that ordinarily does not take place that an example of climate change in a farming community um, can reduce, which it has in southern India and other places, the flow of water for the crops and the diminishing rivers in that area drives the men to urban areas, which leaves the women without income or resources or farmland to to grow crops on and food. So the women also send their young girls to the city in hopes of brighter futures, but they land, unfortunately, they're enticed into sex trafficking. So I never would have put sex trafficking um, numbers in Southeast India tied in with climate change. 
and then to have someone else on that conver- in that conversation from the Congo and from Thailand making the same connection where I thought before um ashamedly that you know climate change discussions were pretty much limited to elitist scientists you know <laughs> at MIT and now I realize it's a necessity for us to be aware and be well informed and so the 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 forum on philanthropy and public policy was effective in making me aware of so much more and participating in conversations where my voice was also being used to make others aware. And that's, again, another reason for directing people to the wealth psychology in this broadcast because you ladies do this in and out um, not only on Sylvia Global can you be heard 24-7, but then they can connect with you live, you know, on Tuesdays, you know, Pacific Standard Time at 8 to 9, and your work is about this. So I think these um, forums and conversations associated with empowerment and wealth and money and women are just absolutely essential. Hey, Sylvia, can I jump in really quickly? This is Emily. This is so powerful, and I um, I want to make sure anybody who's listening knows they can call in at 347-215-6138, or you can email your questions or comments to listeners at sylviaglobal.com. And I wanted to know, because this is a wealth psychology program, uh, did they address, or can you address a little bit, what happens in terms of this conversation around the emotions that come up around overwhelm. Because I have the same awareness in terms of this incredible, far-reaching impact of climate change on people's lives and, my gosh, like all the different ways it's impacting the world. And it, what happens in the body, in the mind, in the heart is there's this tremendous desire to do something. And then there's this shutdown that happens because it's so overwhelming. And, you know, what on earth can we do about it? And I'm thinking about a a family I worked with years ago, and we were working on their family's mission statement, and it was a really powerful process. And they had enough trust established within their relationships because of the work that we did that they were able to come forward with what really mattered most to them. And one of the daughters in the family took a huge risk, and she said, can we put parts of our mission statement that we want to do what we can for world peace? And the family kind of took this collective (gasps) gasp, and then there was a lot of laughter. And these were all adults. And, you know, in the past, she would have gone to a place of feeling really hurt and withdrawal. But because of all the work we'd done, she said, you know, we used communication skills that we'd given them in terms of, wow, you're laughing at this concept of world peace. Help me understand what's happened for you all when I just mentioned that as a possibility. And people got quiet and they went in and they started to share very intimately about how overwhelming it was, what could we possibly do as one family to tackle something that's so profoundly huge when and governments can't figure out how to do it. And it just seems so absurd to put that in our mission statement when there's no way we could accomplish it. And what they ended up looking at was, wow, this could be an amazing force for good in our own lives if it's a guiding principle in terms of what we want to do and use our money for and our time and our talent in terms of is this going to further the uh, possibility of world peace or is it going to detract from it and having it be kind of a guidepost for them. And then they had this great conversation and they ended up drilling down and saying that they were all in alignment, totally wanting passionately to go forward with clean water was what they wanted to do. And they thought, if we could support more people in having clean water, then they're going to have more peaceful lives, less discord. And and that's where they decided to put their attention. And that all came out of one woman's willingness to risk in her family system to say what she wanted to have there. And it took so much to be able to do that. So I was wondering if, if you could speak into a little bit the emotional piece around the overwhelm. There there were not any conversations that I participated in at that forum that addressed the overwhelm. 
I, I and I do want to tie the this this response about overwhelm back to the initial comments I was making to Jamie is that at some point, you know, when we're engaged in something of tremendous magnitude in our life, I can't help but wonder if we don't all reach a point of feeling a bit, you know, overwhelmed and what do we do with it? That was really what I was getting at, Jamie, is what do you do with it, whether it's medical or now, Emily, you know, financial. And so when we have such passion behind our purpose and our our zest, when the the zeal starts to run um, close to E because we're on overwhelm, (laughs) you know, what do we do and how do we do that? Uh, And I think it's it's a very important discussion to, you know, expand on here in wealth psychology. At that USC conference, it did not come up um, in any of the forums or conversations that I was in. Personally, I can tell you what I do. Please, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I go sit at the beach. <laughs> I go, you know, I do. The, I have to get, you know, I have, or if it, when I have not been at the beach, I have to go to a place of stillness and quiet. You know, I think it really, ultimately, we have to get to a place of quietness and stillness because whether it's for a few moments or for a few hours or for a few weeks, uh, it's in that stillness that it seems like all the the stardust not only settles, but it becomes very well bonded and becomes infused with so much more vision, clarity, and brings forward exponentially so much more power. And being able to get quiet and to have a discussion without to free ourselves of the pressure, because most of the time it's self-imposed, um, to free ourselves of the pressure of having to always solve something right then, right, you know, with such urgency. Um, if we step back, I, I find that I'm able to not only think clear, but really be re-energized in a way that I didn't expect before I would have missed if I kept trying to force it. And when we're talking about issues of world peace, and I'm so glad that this this lady that you made reference to didn't um, buckle under the laughter, you know, and fresh water, the magnitude of desires of that size um, are overwhelming to so many people. That's the only way they know how to react because they don't know what else to do. But clearly she's so much further along in her own development that she can see it. You know, she can see her place in making it happen and how it and why it should happen. So I applaud her for for knowing that knowing within herself. You know, that despite whether others can see it or not, um, she's able to not lose the vision or to stop. I love that. You weren't able to be on the earlier part of our show, but that's so resonant exactly to what we were talking about is being able to say a really um, honest yes or no when people ask for money is really about getting centered and getting tuning into our own wisdom and even somatically noticing, you know, sometimes somebody asks us something and you feel like it landed like a lead balloon in your stomach versus somebody asks you something and it feels so inviting. Um, and, And we tied it into legacy as well and thinking about what is it that we're doing here on this earth? What are we trying to create? And Gail Sylvia, you have been so inspiring both with the radio show and really just with your um, global perspective of women and wealth, and I know that that's what you presented on at the conference. And we, we've only got nine minutes left. Our time with you always flies. So I wonder if you'll take some time to talk about what you presented about. It was a panel, um, you know, and, and, and what what came of it, what was interesting about it for you. Well, well it was um, very exciting. Um, 
exciting only because a couple of really profound <laughs> moments. Uh, I'm not fully convinced that women, wealth, and philanthropy are are fully recognized as being power bases. And and what I experienced that morning that would exemplify this, and I did share it in the room that day. Um, there were during breakfast that morning. Uh, I was going. I was just sitting at it, sitting myself at the table, and no one else was had arrived at the table just yet. And two ladies walked behind me, uh, going to the. And, and again, I didn't hear the whole conversation, so I want to make sure it, this that I referenced this may have been taken out of context, but this is the part that I did hear very clearly. One lady asked the other if she had decided which breakout session she was going to attend. And the lady number two said, no, not yet. How about you? And she said, oh, I'm thinking about going to the power of women in philanthropy. And the lady, the other lady said, oh, no, um, I definitely know I'm not going to that one. I'm not sure I'm fully buying this whole funding women funding women and girls thing. Mm. And I was so hoping that they would have been in the session, but neither of them were in the session. And I thought, gee, we might have a, a bigger, you know, obstacle here than than I'm assuming when women don't recognize. And I had a similar conversation with someone 94 years old this past weekend in Phoenix, um, a tremendous philanthropist. And I did ask her how much of her philanthropy over the years has been designated to target girls, women and girls. And you would have thought I asked her if there was a crocodile in her backyard. Um, <laughs> she said, I, why would I do that? <laughs> And I asked her about, you know, women and money and wealth. And she immediately got that, but not the philanthropy side. So a part of the conversation that was very, very interesting. Um, that forum that was most memorable to me was that experience outside the forum and or overhearing that. And then within the forum was the reaction to my story. Um, there were wonderful ladies also on the panel. Erin from J.P. Morgan, absolutely brilliant. Michelle Ozumba, you know, absolutely brilliant. You know, these ladies are known throughout the world for their work in um, wealth management and in women and girls and women's funding networks. They're, they've been in the arena a long time. I'm still new to the arena. And what's really important to me is that I keep the authenticity of my voice, my story, my message, and that I not feel um, or place on myself any pressure to have to edit my experiences in order to fit in an arena where people have been doing, you know, having these conversations for years. So a part of my story that I um, think um, surprised me with the type of reaction was um, is associated again with what you do here on Wealth Psychology Hour, and that's bring another dimension to who we are. You know, do we feel overwhelmed? You know, what are our experiences and how adding value and keeping the value associated with each of our experiences and not feeling like they're of lesser value because they're not the shared value or experiences of others. So the values may be similar on the topic, but not the experiences. So um, conversations about women, power, being comfortable and owning and releasing that power associated with money, our wealth, and our philanthropy. Um, I walked away from that session feeling like we need to step this up again you know, a few notches because women still may not be fully convinced that women are worthy. Wow, that's so important. I'm so struck by that because, you know, it almost there's seems like there's a taboo. I, other... I don't know if I've been disconnected or not. 
I can hear you. Oh, can Jamie you was me? Jamie's just speaking. No, no, you are just great. That's fantastic. No, Jamie, you, go on. You, can you hear me, Gail Sylvia? Oh, Gail Sylvia, oh. we heard everything you said. It was phenomenal. I mean, I think it's. Oh. One of the things that I'm realizing, Emily, given that we have three more minutes, is that I would really like to invite Gail Sylvia to come on the show again, either next week or in the very near future, because this is such this is so important, and it's almost that there's a taboo of women giving to women, you know, and to really dedicating that. And it's interesting because if you ask somebody if they're, you know, um, pro-life or they're um, you know, pro-freedom of choice, and do they give in that way, that would be perfectly acceptable, you know. So this is also a, a demographic, or if you're Jewish or, you know, you give um, by your um, religious denomination. So I would love, and I would love for Gail Sylvia to have an opportunity to um, share with us more of her story. Um, and in the meantime, I'd love to close with uh, the tools. Emily, do you oh, want well, to... Uh, this is Go so ahead. great. Uh, we actually, I wanted to say that, um, wow, I hope she does want to come back next week. Um, we'll have to, that was so great. And it was just like, I feel like we got cut off right in the middle of the most profound thing I've heard in a long time. And um, we really um, are thrilled to have had the chance to talk with Gail Sylvia. And we want to talk more about this, what she just said is such a passion of ours in terms of, wow, how do we go about empowering women and empowering this whole conversation with, you know, even men in the women's lives in terms of how to have them feel more engaged and working together jointly as couples around this. So, yeah, we have some things we definitely want to share right now to give you some useful um, ways of taking what we've just talked about and accessing it in your own lives. So, first and foremost, our evocative question is, what emotions are you aware of when someone asks for you you for a contribution? Really stopping and getting clear in your body before you say yes or no. Inspiring and the full invitation. gamut of emotions, positive yes, and negative. all of it. All of it. Inspiring invitation, consider what you are choosing to say yes to when you say no to what someone else might want you to do with your money philanthropically. So if you're saying uh, no to somebody asking you, you're saying yes to something else and get clear on what that is. And then a useful tools that we want to recommend, one is a book called Inspired Philanthropy by Tracy Gary, a wonderful colleague of ours that we hope to have on the show as well. And a website called Catalytic Women. So just go to catalyticwomen.com. It is a phenomenal resource for any woman who wants to be more empowered in her philanthropic giving really great resources, um, wonderful community online, and, uh, yeah, just go check that one out. So thank you. Send us and your lastly, comments. I would say also a book called Philanthropy, Values, and Heirs by Roy Williams and Vic Pressler. Oh, absolutely. They've got great stories about all different age groups and philanthropic giving and family systems. So absolutely. that was great. Wow, I'm just so sad that she fell off right then. Um, and at the same time, maybe there's a reason why. So you may want to look and see, wow, as she was speaking about, um, if you're a woman listening to this, if you're a man listening to this, how we view women and girls in the world and how we see ourselves relating and where is it that we put our attention. And is, it, is this a part of the world that we continue to want to keep small and quiet and not empowered, or do we see that how it might actually be a very wise move to to shift how we look at and think about women and girls. And I love that Hannah is going to be doing a show because uh, I don't know a more powerful girl on the planet than <laughs> your daughter. When I get a chance to be with her, I just feel so inspired. And how old is she now? Is she 12? She's 11. And she's going to speak about... Uh at some point, she'll speak about her namesake, which is the woman that uh, who was a neighbor of ours, who was really the most powerful person I've ever met, and extraordinary as a woman, a woman doctor. For uh, she'll, I'll let her talk about it, but uh, yeah, careful. I love that you daughter after. Yeah, you chose to have a powerful force in your life for sure. Well, thank you so which much. Which is for great for the world and 
interesting as a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to post on Sylvia Global's Facebook page, like us at Wealth Legacy Group at our page on Facebook, or send your questions and comments to listeners at sylviaglobal.com. Thanks so much, and have a great day, everybody. And thank you, Weatherby, for supporting this show and happening. Really grateful to Weatherby. Thank you, Gail, Sylvia. We look forward to continuing with us, and have a great day, everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.